for giving us as our leader and teacher of the one who is in America in the person of the most honorable and humble Elijah Muhammad. I want to thank Brother Benjamin out at the outside for doing a wonderful job at opening up our eyes and giving us a, a good preliminary basic understanding of the aims and the objectives of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And also, and I'm thankful to Allah for seeing so many out here tonight, especially just before Christmas. You know, uh, it's next to a miracle when you get uh, this many of our people together so close to Christmas, interested in anything whatsoever that's serious. But I know actually what this shows is the change that's uh, taking place among the so-called Negroes, not only here in New York, but throughout America, throughout the entire world. Throughout the entire world today, dark mankind is waking up and, under, and uh, undergoing a new type of thinking. And this new type of thinking is creating new approaches and new reactions that make it almost impossible to figure out approaches and new reactions that make it almost impossible to figure out what the black man is going to do next. And by black man, we mean, as we're taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we mean that this includes those who are not white. Uh, he teaches us that black is the basic color in all colors. Black is the foundation or the basis. And all of our people or all of the people who have not yet become white are still black or are at least part of the black nation. So here at Muhammad's Mosque, when you hear us use the term black, we mean everybody who is here. Uh, whatever, despite your complexion, if you're here at the mosque, you're black. Because the only ticket you need to get into Muhammad's Mosque is to be black. So if you got in, you know you're black. You may not have known you were black before you came here. In fact, very few of our people really uh, look upon themselves as being black. They think of themselves as practically everything else on the color spectrum except black. And no matter how dark one of our people may be, you never hear him call himself black. But now that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been teaching among the so-called Negroes, you find our people at all complexions running around here bragging about I'm a black man. Well, this shows you that a new teaching is taking place and that there is new thinking among the so-called Negroes. If just yesterday you, you would have to admit that it was very difficult to get our people to refer to themselves as black, and then now all of a sudden you find all of us of all complexion not apologizing for being black, but uh, bragging about being black, well, it's, there's a new thinking that has uh, sprung up here in America among the so-called Negroes. And the one who was actually the author of this new thinking is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It is what he is teaching that's making our people for the first time proud to be black. And what's most important of all, for the first time, it makes our people want to know more about black, want to know why black is good, or what there is about black that's good. I might stop right here to point out, one of you, some of you may say, well, I come out here to listen to some religion of Islam, and all I hear you talk about is black. We don't separate our religion from our color, nor do we separate our color from our religion. The white man doesn't. You, uh, the white man never has separated.
separated Christianity from white, nor has he separated white from Christianity. When you have the white man bragging about, I'm a Christian, he's bragging about he's a white man. And the average Negro, when you have him bragging about he's a Christian, he's bragging about he's a white man. Or he wants to be white. And usually those Negroes who uh, uh, brag like that, I think you'll have to agree, they, their songs and the things that they sing in church bear uh, out that they have a greater desire to be white than anything else. My mother was a Christian, and father was a Christian. And I used to hear them when I was a little child sing songs, Wash me white as snow. My father was a black man, and my mother was a black woman. But yet the songs that they sang in their church were designed to fill their heart with a desire to be white. So many people, especially our people, they would get resentful to hear us say something like this. But then, rather than get resentful, all they have to do is think back over the many of the songs and much of the teaching and the doctrine that they were taught while they were going to church, and they have to agree that it was all designed to make us look down at black and up at white. So the religion that we have, the religion of Islam, the religion that makes us Muslims, the religion that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is teaching us here in America today is designed to undo in our mind what the white man has done to us. It's designed to uh, uh, undo the type of brainwashing that we had to undergo for 400 years at the hands of the white man in order to bring us down to the level that we're on today. So, when you hear us use uh, great, when you hear us often refer to black, and almost in a boastful way, and actually we're not boasting, we're speaking of it in a factual sense, all we're doing is telling the truth about our people. Yeah, whenever you uh, exalt black, that's not propaganda. When you exalt white, that's propaganda. Because no one can give biological evidence that uh, there is any basis to elevate white or place white above everything else. But you can give biological evidence to show where uh, black actually is the stronger and the superior of the two if you want to make that kind of comparison. So never think ill of the person whom you hear representing the Honorable Elijah Muhammad if, if uh, an overemphasis seems to be placed upon black, but rather sit and analyze and try and get an understanding. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that of all the things the black man can study, or any man can study for that matter, history is best qualified to reward all research. You have to have a knowledge of history no matter what you're going to do. Anything that you undertake, you have to have a knowledge of history in order to be successful in it. The thing that has made the so-called Negro in America fail more so than any other thing is your and my lack of knowledge concerning history. We know less about history than anything else. There are black people in America who have mastered the mathematical sciences, have become uh, professors and experts in physics, are able to talk Sputnik out there in the atmosphere, out in space. They're masters in that field. We have black men who have mastered the field of medicine. We have black men who have mastered other fields. But very seldom do we have black men, men in America who have mastered the knowledge of history of the black man himself. They are experts. We have among our people those who are experts in every field. But seldom can you find one from among us who is an expert 
on the history of the black man. And because of his lack of knowledge concerning the history of the black man, no matter how much he excels in these other sciences, he's always confined. He's always relegated to the same uh, low rung of the ladder that the dumbest of our people are relegated to. And all of this stems from his lack of knowledge concerning history. What made, uh, what made Dr. George Washington Carver a Negro scientist instead of a scientist? What made Paul Robeson a Negro actor instead of an actor? What made uh, Ralph Bunch or Mix Ralph Bunch a Negro statesman instead of a statesman? The, the only difference between Bunch and Carver and these others whom I just mentioned, they don't know the history of the black man. Bunch is an expert, an international politician, a, a, a politician on the international level. But Bunch doesn't know himself. He has no knowledge of the history of his own people. He can, he can be sent all over the world by America to solve problems for America or to solve problems for other nations. But he can't solve problems for his own people in this country. Why? What is it that, what, what, is, what is it that ties our people up in this way? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says it boils down to just one word, history. When you study the history of Bunch, his history is different from the history of the black man who just comes here from Africa. And if you notice Bunch, Bunch was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia during the summer, NAACP convention. He was Jim Crow, he was segregated, he was not allowed to go in a hotel down there. Yet there are Africans who can come here black as night and go in some of these cracker hotels. Well, what is the difference between Bunch and one of them? The difference is Bunch doesn't know his history, and they, the Africans, do know their history. They may come here out of the jungle, but they know their history. They may come here wearing sheets with the head all wrapped up, but they know their history. You and I can come out of Harvard, but we don't know our history. And the basic difference in why we are treated as we are, one knows his history and one doesn't know his history. The American Negro doesn't know his history. The American so-called Negro is a soldier who doesn't know his history. He's a servant in America who doesn't know his history. He's a graduate from Harvard or Columbia or Yale or Howard or Tuskegee who doesn't know his history. And because he doesn't know his, know his history, he's confined. He's limited. He's held under the control and the jurisdiction of the white man who knows more about the history of the Negro than the Negro knows about himself. But when you and I wake up, as we're taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and learn our history. Learn the history of our kind as well as the history of the white kind. Then we're at the, we're, then, the, then the white man is at a disadvantage and we're at an advantage. The only thing that puts you and me at a disadvantage is our lack of knowledge concerning history. So one of the reasons, one of the missions, one of the objectives of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad here in America is not only to teach you and me the right religion, but to teach you and me history. In fact, do you know that if you and I know the no history, we know the right religion? The only way right now that you can become confused, become um, mixed up and not know which religion belongs to God is if you don't know history. In fact, you have to know history to know something about God. You have to know history to know something about God's religion. You have to know history to know something about God's people. You have to know history to know something about God's plans and God's purposes. And as I say, the only people who don't know history are the American so-called Negroes. If you know history, for an example, whenever you look at this 
religion right here. The only way you can explain it is to have a knowledge of history. Why is it called Christianity? It is called Christianity, they say, because it was named after a man called Christ, who was born 2,000 years ago. Now you know, brothers and sisters, God is an old God. And the world is an old world. It's been here a long time. I think all of you will agree that the universe has been here longer than 2,000 years. And you'll also agree that the universe was made by God himself. That God created the universe. God created the people who are on this, who are on this earth. God wouldn't create the universe. God wouldn't put a sun up in the sky and make nine planets rotate around it. All of them inhabited. You and I inhabiting the planet Earth upon which we live. God wouldn't have done all of this and not given people a religion. God put his religion here at the creation of the universe. God's religion is as old as the, as the universe. In fact, God's religion is older than the universe. Now then, since you agree to this and you'll also agree that Christ was born 2,000 years ago, which means Christianity is only 2,000 years old, this couldn't have been God's religion. If your knowledge of history shows you that God couldn't call his religion Christianity, because Christianity is only 2,000 years old. So if, if, uh, if, if this is the case, then what was God's religion called before the birth of Christ? Can you see the importance of history? Why, if you didn't know history, you'd think that this was God's religion. And you'd be running around here practicing this, wondering why everybody doesn't practice this. Because some people have a better knowledge of history than others do. It is only the people whose knowledge of history is limited who try and jump up and say that Christianity is the name of God's religion. If Christianity hasn't always been the name of God's religion, it now isn't the name of God's religion. God doesn't change the name of his religion. God doesn't even change his religion. God doesn't change his mind. God was, God's mind is made up from the beginning. He doesn't have to change his mind. Because he knows all there is to know all the way down to the wheel of time. He never has to change his mind. His mind is made up. His knowledge is complete. It's all-encompassing. Do you understand? So, once you can see, and I think you can, that it's almost impossible for God to call this his religion. What did God call his religion? Christians are the ones who call God's religion Christianity. But God was here before Christians came on the scene. They tell you that the Christians had their beginning back there with the Romans. One of the Roman emperors who accepted, uh, supposedly accepted the teachings of some of Jesus' disciples and then mean what the disciples taught, Christianity. But Jesus didn't even call it Christianity. This wasn't named this until two or three hundred years after Jesus was dead. Right or wrong. Any history book will tell this. Any Bible will tell this. Any religion, any theologian should have a knowledge of this. And the only Negroes who will contend with this are those who don't know history. And most Negroes don't know history. And most Negroes will contend with it. But when you tell it to the white man, he shuts his mouth. Because he knows that this is true. So then those who have studied a little deeper, they'll say, well, uh, before God called his, before it was called uh, Christianity, it was called Judaism. Isn't this what they say? Named after a man called Judah. This right here doesn't follow uh, logic. If, uh, if Christianity became named this after Christ was born, and before Christ was born, the religion was called Judaism, and that means that this got its name from the son of Jacob, whose name was Judah. But history tells us that Jacob was serving God before Judah was born, which shows us that Jacob's religion couldn't have been Judaism, 
and Isaac was Jacob's father. He was serving uh, God before, before uh, uh, also before Jacob, his son, was born. Isaac was Judah's grandfather, and Abraham was Judah's great-grandfather. Meaning Abraham was on the scene long before Judah came on the scene. Now you couldn't call Abraham's religion Judaism, because there was no such thing as Judaism in Abraham's day. There was no such thing as Judaism in Isaac's day, or in Jacob's day. Do you understand? So what was God's religion before they called it Judaism? And this is something that the white man has never taught you and me. The white man is afraid to let you and me know what God's religion was called in Abraham's day, because Abraham was supposed to have been known as the father of all of them. He was supposed to be the progenitor of all of them. He's supposed to be one of God's first servants. One of the first to submit to God is supposed to be Abraham. Now, if you can see this, then find out what was Abraham's religion. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us Abraham's religion was the religion of Islam. Islam only means complete submission to God, complete obedience to God. Abraham obeyed God. Abraham obeyed God so much so that when God told Abraham to take his son and, and sacrifice him, stick a dagger in his heart, is that what he told him? Abraham took his only son up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice him to God, showing you that he believed in Islam. What does Islam mean? Obey God. Submit to God. So that this, this name here, if you'll notice, has no connection, no association with the birth of a man. This is not a man's name. This doesn't come from a man. This, is, this comes from a man. Buddhaism was named after a man called Buddha. Confucianism was named after a man called Confucian. Right or Confucius, right or wrong. Uh, likewise with Judaism and Christianity. But Islam is not connected with any man. Islam is independent of any man. Islam is an act which means submit completely to God or obey God. And when you say your religion is Islam, that means you're a Muslim. So to clarify this, what must you do? You must have a knowledge of history. If you don't have a knowledge of history, you'll run around calling yourself a Christian, swearing you're for serving God. Or you run around saying that your religion is Judaism, you swear you're serving God. If your religion is Christianity, you serve, you, you follow in Christ. If your religion is Judaism, you follow in Judah. If your religion is Buddhism, you follow in Buddha. Do you understand? And they're all dead. And if you follow them, you'll die too. This is where it leads you. Wherever your leader is, that's what happens to you. Now, we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we believe in Islam. We don't believe in Muhammad. We believe in Islam. He teaches us the religion of Islam. Do you understand the difference? These people follow, they believe in Christ. They believe Christ is God. Oh, yes, they do. That he was born of the Blessed Virgin. That's what they believe. Didn't have a father, just a spirit. And then came into the world and was crucified and rose from the, went up into space. They believe that. But they believe that because they don't know history. But you'll find the people, if you notice, the Jews have a greater knowledge of history than the Christians do. Do they not? The Christian history only goes back 2,000 years. The, the, the history of the Jews goes back beyond 4,000 years. Can you see that? And the Muslim history goes back. There's no limit to the Muslim history. If you notice, the Christians can only go back to the, what they call the, the Greek Empire. Usually they go back to the, that's, the, that's what they call the uh, Occidental, the beginning of the Occident. The Greek Empire, Roman Empire, and so forth. 
The Jews have a knowledge of history that goes back into Egypt and Babylon. You notice how they all go back farther than the other. But now the Muslim, Muslim history goes back because it has no limit. There are no chains on how far you can go back when you're a Muslim. The Christian and the Jew combined go back to whom? To Adam. And they stop right there. And they say beyond him there was nothing happening. Well, this is because they don't know. But the more history they have, the, the, the greater their knowledge of history is, this has an influence on the type of religion that they accept. Do you understand? All praise is due to Allah. Another example. What makes the royal family of Europe, or any country, differ from the peasant? Royalty knows its ancestors. Royalty knows its history. This is what makes them royal. You can't have a king who can't trace his history on back into his forefathers. The only way he can be king is to be born a king. But if you take away his history and he doesn't know who his forefathers are, what does he become? A peasant. A common ordinary man. Same with the uh, Jews and the Christians. It's because the Jews have the longest record of history that they can call themselves the chosen people. The Christians can't call themselves the chosen people because their history is not long enough. They can't go back to the time when the choice was being made. But the, the Hebrews, the so-called Jews, they can go back so far they can lay claim to that which actually is not there. But the reason they can claim it is because nobody else that they're dealing with can go back far enough to this future. But the Muslims. Do you understand? So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's mission is to teach the so-called Negroes a, a knowledge of history. The history of self, of ourselves, our own kind. And by giving us a knowledge of this history concerning our own kind, show us how we fit into prophecy. How we fit into the prophecies of the Bible, biblical prophecy. Which means, when you, usually, when you go in one of these churches, usually they name their church after some word in this Bible. Big Rock, Baptist Church. Or, Drinking at the Well, Baptist Church. Right, they, got all, they got all those kind of names, brother. Friendship, Baptist. Union Baptist, Israel Baptist, Jacob's Ladder Baptist. Isn't that what they, that how they name them? They find some kind of old funny word in this Bible to name the whole religion after. Their whole doctrine is based on a verse in the Bible. He wrote Baptist Church. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad bases what he teaches not on a verse, but upon the entire book. From beginning to end, he says that he can open up the book and prove that what he's teaching is true. And prove that the Bible agrees with him. And then use the Bible to prove that what they're teaching in the church is wrong. You know, that's saying something. For instance, he says that in, in, in Genesis, the 15th chapter and the 13th verse, to give you an example, he points out where it says, and, 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 and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was mentioning this verse, tonight on the radio. He said, And God said unto Abraham, Know for a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not there, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. 
Now, the Honorable Buddha Lansing Muhammad says, that explains his teaching right there. Because he teaches that the so-called Negroes are the ones that the Bible is talking about, who have spent 400 years as strangers in a land that isn't theirs. And you can't deny that we're strangers here. I don't think any of y'all will deny that we're strangers here. We're not in a country where we're made to feel at home. We'll put it that way. There's hardly any Negro in his right mind can say he feels at home in America. He has to admit that he's made to feel like a stranger. Right or wrong? Well, this is what God told Abraham. This is what God told Abraham would happen in this day and time. Remember, Abraham's religion was Islam. Abraham wasn't a Jew. Abraham wasn't a Christian. Abraham wasn't a Buddha. Abraham was a Muslim. He, he, which means he obeyed God. God told him, your people are going into bondage. They're going to become slaves. They're going to be afflicted. They'll be strangers far from home for 400 years. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, you and I are the seed of Abraham. We're the descendants of Abraham. Now the preacher in the church, he tells you that the Jew is the seed of Abraham. One of them is right and one of them is wrong. Either Mr. Muhammad is right and the preacher is wrong, or the preacher is right and Mr. Muhammad is wrong. This is what we are putting on the line today. Who is the seed of Abraham? Is it this blue-eyed, blonde-haired, pale-skinned Jew? Or is it the so-called Negro? You. Who is it? And what makes it so pitiful? Many of our people would rather believe that the Jew is God's chosen people than to believe that they are God's chosen people. They would rather believe that God is going to save the Jew than to believe that God is going to save them. They would rather believe that the Jew is better than anybody else than to believe that they themselves are better than anybody else. This is a Negro. Wouldn't nobody else think like this but a Negro. Nobody else would put everybody in. would rather believe that the Jew is better than anybody else than to believe that they themselves are better than anybody else. This is a Negro. Wouldn't nobody else think like this but a Negro. Nobody else would put everybody else on top of him but the Negro. No one else would place himself below everyone else but the Negro. I mean, the American Negro. Tell me what God said. That the people would be strangers. The Jews aren't strangers. The Jews know their history. The Jews know their culture. The Jews know their language. They know everything there is to know about themselves. They know how to rob you. They know how to be your landlord. They know how to be your grocer. They know how to be your lawyer. They know how to join the NAACP and become the president. Right or wrong. They know how to control everything you got. You can't say their law, but the poor so-called Negro, he hasn't control over anything. He doesn't control the NAACP. He can't control the urban League. He can't control court. He can't control his church. He can't control his own school. He can't control his own businesses and his own community. He can't even control his own mind. He's lost and lost control of himself and gone astray. So he fits the picture here that the Bible says concerning our people in the last day. Know for a surety that thy seed shall be strangers in a land that is not there, and shall serve them. And you have served the white man. He has not served you and me. Why did you haven't served anybody here? You are the one that served. And, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward... They shall come out with great suffering. Oftentimes, when you say this to, to the so-called Negroes, they'll come up and tell you that this is the Jew. 
But if you notice when Jesus was talking to the Jew way back here in, in John, he told them that if they, they shall know the truth and it'll make them free, the Jews popped up and said, how are you going to say we shall be made free? We have never been in bondage to anyone. Isn't it what the Jews told Jesus? Well, now look here. If the Jews told Jesus 2,000 years after Moses supposedly led the Hebrews out of bondage, that they had never been in bondage. Now, you know the Jews had Moses' history. They knew who Moses was. How could they stand and tell Jesus they had never been in bondage? Because they had never been in bondage. Not these things that you called you. They weren't in Egypt. Those weren't the people that Moses read out of Egypt. And the Jew knows this. But the Bible is written in such a tricky way. When you read it, you think that Moses led the Jews out of bondage. But if you get a Jew in a good, solid conversation today, and you know how to talk to him, he has to admit to you that it wasn't out of, out of, out of uh, Egypt land that Moses brought them. It wasn't out of bondage that Moses brought them. It was out of somewhere else. And then where, where Moses really brought them is their secret. But thanks to Almighty God, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad knows their secret. And he told it to us, and we don't trust that. <laughs> if the Bible says that God is going to judge that nation, the nation that enslaved his people, how will he keep from destroying his own people? Same Bible is the book of history. And in the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, God told Moses, and in the 18th verse, God told Moses, I will raise them up a prophet. Talking about you and me, I'll raise them up a prophet just like thee, a prophet, prophet like Moses, whose, whose mission it will be to do to, for you and me the same thing Moses did back then. It would be a prophet like Moses. And back when you get down into Malachi, he lets it be known that just before he comes to judge that nation, the name of the prophet or messenger whom he would send among the people, his name would be Elijah. Because the coming of that, before the coming of that great, of that, before the coming of that great and dreadful day, I'll send you Elijah. And Elijah's job will be to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. What do you mean turn the hearts of the children to the fathers? The so-called Negroes are child-like people. We're like children. No matter how old you get, or how bold you get, or how wise you get, or how rich you get, or how educated you get, the white man still calls you what? Boy. Why, you're a child in his eyesight. And you are a child. Anytime you have to let another man set up a factory for you, and you can't set up a factory for yourself, you're a child. Anytime another man can open up businesses and you don't know how to go into businesses for your side and your people, you're a child. Anytime another man sets up schools and you don't know how to set up your own schools, you're a child. Because a child is someone who sits around and waits for his father to do for him what he should be doing for himself. Or what he's too young to do for himself. Or what he's too dumb to do for himself. So the white man, knowing that here in America all the Negro has done, and this is I hate to say it, but it's the truth. All you and I have done is build churches and let the white man build factories. You and I build churches and let the white man build schools. You and I build churches and let the white man build up everything for himself. And then after we build the church, we got to go and beg the white man for a job and beg the white man for, for some education. Am I right or wrong? 
That's a shame. It's too bad, but it's true. And it's history. So it says that these childlike people, people who will be children, following after the white man, it says in the last day that God will raise up Elijah. And Elijah's job will be to turn the hearts of these children back toward their fathers. Elijah will come and change our minds. He'll teach us something that will turn us completely around. When Elijah finds us, we'll be easy to lead in the wrong direction, but hard to lead in the right direction. But when Elijah gets through teaching the, the lost sheep or the lost people of God, he'll turn them around. He'll change their mind. He'll put a bone in their back. He'll make them throw their shoulders back and stand upright like men for the first time. It says he'll turn the hearts of these children toward their fathers and the hearts of the fathers toward the children. This is something that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is doing here in America today. You and I haven't thought in terms of our forefathers. We haven't thought of our fathers. Our brother are back home. Our fathers are in the east. We run around here begging the great white fathers. You never hear black people in this country talking or speaking or thinking in terms of connecting themselves with their own kind back home. They're trying to make a contact with the white man. Pick up on that. That's true. Trying to, trying to make a contact, trying to make a connection with the white man. Trying to connect, trying to make a connection with a kidnapper who brought them here. Trying to make a connection with actually the man who enslaved them. You know, that's a shame. It's pitiful. But, but it's true. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that when Elijah comes, the book says when Elijah comes, what Elijah would do would be to teach these people the truth. And the truth that Elijah would teach to the people would be so strong, it would make all this other stuff that the preachers are talking about sound like a fairy story. Elijah would open the people's eyes up so wide that from then on a preacher couldn't talk to him. And this is really true. Do you know people have come to Muhammad's mosque? And no matter whether they believe in what Mr. Muhammad is saying or not, they never can go back and sit in the church. This is true. What the Honorable Elijah Muhammad does is turn on the light. And when he turns on the light, it enables us to see, to think, and uh, to be able to see and think for ourselves. He shows us where the white man, what he has taught us concerning history, has actually been a distortion. He's never given you and me true facts about history, neither about himself nor about our, our people. You know, uh, I read a book one day called The Four Cities of Troy. You can go to the library, some library, and check it out. What was this based on? Show you how, what a liar the white man is. When I say liar, you have white people who are scientists, and they keep truth in their own circle. And they never let you, they, they never let the masses know anything about this truth that they keep in the circle. They got something else that they invent and put out for the masses to believe. But they then something else that they invent and put out for the masses to believe. But they themselves keep knowledge in a circle. So, in this particular book it pointed out that some archaeologists, were uh, delving in the ruins of the ancient city of Troy. And it's the practice of archaeologists, you know, to dig. So in digging down into the ruins of Troy, they dug deeper than they intended to. And they ran into the ruins of another city. 
that had been there so much longer ahead of this city of Troy that it had gone down beneath the sands of time. And they had built this city of Troy on top of it, and when these archaeologists were delving in the ruins of the ancient city, they learned that there was one that was there more ancient than that. They, they, they started frantically digging down in that one and dug below it into another one. And before they got through digging, they had dug down and they had discovered that civilization in that area had been there so far back into history that uh, at different times in history, the civilization had been destroyed, had become completely covered up with sand and dirt until another people came along and didn't even know it was there and built another civilization on top of that. This happened four different times to give you somewhat of an idea of what the white man knows concerning the length of time man has been on this earth. And still that white man will jump up in your face and try and make you believe that first man was made four, six thousand years ago named Adam. And a lot of Negroes are running around here talking about Adam. That's God caught him. God took some dust and, and breathed on it and told Adam, come forth, and, and there he was. Now, you know, that's a shame. It's all right when you were a little baby to believe that God made a little doll out of the sand or mud and breathed on it, and that was the first man. That when you were a child, it's all right to believe like that. But here in 1962, with all this information floating around, in everybody's ears, you can get it free. Why, you should open up your mind and your head and your heart and realize that you have been led by lies. And today that it's time to listen to nothing but naked, undiluted truth. And when you know the truth, as Jesus says, truth will make you free. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln won't make you free. Truth will make you free. When you know the truth, you're free. Also, you have your, your archaeologists, anthropologists, other forms of historians who agree, pretty well agree, that they don't know how long man has been on earth, that it, they do know that he has been on earth longer than 6,000 years, and they know that uh, uh, man was not made just 6,000 years ago. They know this now, but uh, a long time ago they didn't know it. There was a time when uh, man had less ribs than a woman. People believe that. Because they said that God made Eve from one of Adam's ribs. So Adam had a rib missing. And they actually ran around here believing that man had one less rib. And you know, they were shook up when they really uh, uh, got into the science of anatomy and discovered that man, all his ribs were there. And that, that, they began to wonder then what happened there in the Bible. That's a shame, brother. How long has man been here? In the Bible, in the, in the uh, uh, first chapter of Genesis, and in the 26th verse, after God had made everything else, it says here, and God said, let us make man. Let me write what God said here on the board. Look what God said, brother. I, I don't think you've ever looked at this. And it says, and God said, let us make man. The key word here is what? Yes. What does us mean? More than one. Who was God talking to? 
If God was all by himself, and no one was here but him, who was he talking to when he said, let us make men? Who was here with God that was about to help him make this man? When God was getting ready to make the sun, he didn't say, let us make some sun. He said, let there be light. And here the, the, the sun, a ball of fire, 2,679,785 miles in circumference, 853,000 miles in diameter, 14,472 degrees hot, and God can so let there be, and that big ball of fire pop up in the universe with no help. Now you know something is wrong. It should be harder to make that than a man. A huge ball of fire, 2,679,785 uh, 2, miles in circumference, 14,472 degrees hot. That's a whole lot of heat. And God said, let there be, and it just jumped up into the universe. He didn't ask for no help. He said, let there be this and let there be that. He had so much power that everything he wanted came into existence. Soon as he said, be, there it was. But when he got to the man, something happened. He said, let us make man. Someone else was there then, wasn't it? That's something to think about. We'll let you think about it for a minute. The white man's world is a newer world than the black man's world. Yet this man that they said that they were about to make, and he said we are making how? In our image, showing you that there's somebody there with him. In our likeness, showing you that still somebody is there with him. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let us make him look like us. He won't be the same as we are. He'll be our image. That's God talking, right? He's talking to somebody. You know, I'm thankful to Allah for raising up the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and making us see these things that we could never see before. The birth of the white race has always been a secret. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the birth of the white race is shrouded in the story of Adam. The story of Adam hides the birth of the white race. And because you and I have never been taught to look into a thing and analyze a thing, we took the story of Adam exactly as it was and thought that God made a man named Adam 6,000 years ago. But today, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that that man, Adam, was a white man. But before Adam was made, the black man was already here. And that's not easy, that's not hard to see. The black man always sees, the white man will even tell you that. Because he refers to, to Adam as the first one, he refers to the Adamites, as those who came from that first one, and he refers to the pre-Adamites as those who were here before Adam. Right or wrong? Those people that were here before Adam. And he always refers to these people as Ab Aborigines, which means what? Black folks. You never find a white Aborigines. White, uh, rather, Aborigines are called natives, or they're always dark-skinned people. You and I are aborigines, but you don't let them be called an aborigine. You want to be called an American. 
Aborigine actually means from the beginning. It's two Latin words. Ab meaning from, origine meaning the beginning. And Aborigine is only the term applied to those dark-skinned people who have been on this earth since the beginning of the universe. Now that's going way back. He said, what you mean, uh, since the of the universe? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that just as we pointed out there a moment ago, the black man has been here a long time. He never has had a beginning, and but the white man has never had a knowledge of the history of the black man. It's like a father and a son. If the father is 50 years old, and the son is only 10, the father knows everything there is to know about his son because he was here before his son was born. The son only knows what has happened during his own 10 years. He only knows what went on before his arrival uh, from what his father tells him. It's the same way with the black man and the white man. The black man's been here a long time, but the white man has been here a short time. Now, the white man only knows about himself what he's been told, and he hasn't been told anything. He came to himself up in the caves of Europe. He, he can't get any information that goes beyond the caves. And since you and I fell, fell into his trap and was made dead, dumb, and blind by him, now we don't have access to any information that the white man doesn't know about. So we think that the beginning of, of the white man meant the beginning of everything. Us too. We're not aware that we were here before he was made. Can you understand that? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that the, uh, that 66 trillion, since you and I fell, fell into his trap and was made dead, dumb, and blind by him, now we don't have access to any information that the white man doesn't know about. So we think that the beginning of, of the white man meant the beginning of everything. Us too. We're not aware that we were here before he was made. Can you understand that? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that the, uh, back 66 trillion years ago, trillion, how much is trillion? Not hundreds, but or nor thousands, nor millions, nor billions, but 66 trillion years ago, the black man was here then. But at that time, the, 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 uh, like we have the sun, which is the center of the universe, and the planet that we live on here called Earth, next to the black man was here then. But at that time, the, 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 uh, like we have the sun, which is the center of the universe, and the planet that we live on here called Earth, next to the, uh, 46 million miles from the sun is a planet called Mercury, and 67,200,000 miles from the sun, another sun is, from the sun is another planet called Venus, and 93 million miles from the sun is the planet here that you and I live on called, called Earth. 141,500,000 miles out here is a planet called Mars, and 483 million uh, miles from the sun is a planet called uh, 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 Jupiter, and uh, 886 million miles from the sun is a planet called Saturn, and on down the road of peace are a couple more planets. So right here, this planet that <laughs> uh, right here, uh, this planet that you and I uh, live on called Earth, that rotates around the sun, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that 66 trillion years ago, 
Our people were living on this planet. The black man was living on this planet. But in those days, it was larger than it is now. And the planet, uh, 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 uh Mars that was off here, uh, beyond us, had an effect upon our planet then in the same manner that the, uh, that the moon affects us today. At that time, there was no moon up there. Where was the moon? The moon was down here. The moon was part of this planet. The moon and this planet were one planet. And the black man was living here then. He was a scientist. He was a wise black man. Black men have always been wise. Black men have always been the wisest being in the universe. And among these beings, black beings, there is one who is supreme. He's referred to as the supreme. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that a wise black scientist, 66 trillion years ago, began to argue with the other scientists because there was something he wanted the people of Earth to uh, speak a certain language. And because they wouldn't agree, he wanted to destroy civilization. So this scientist drilled a shaft into the center of the Earth and filled it with high explosives and set it off. He was just trying to destroy, he was trying to destroy civilization. He was trying to destroy the black man. But you can't destroy the black man. The black man can't destroy himself. The black man has the most powerful brain in the universe. There is no intelligence more powerful than the intelligence of the black man. And because of this, the black man can't even create a thought that will destroy him. He's indestructible. You can, you can blow up everything and the black man will still be here. You just can't get away from him, brother. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said they filled the, the earth, the tub, high explosives and set it off. And, and when it was exploded, uh, the piece that you and I today call moon uh, was, was, was uh, tossed down here into space and it rotated around the earth. It still rotates around the earth. It came from the earth. It was blasted right out from the earth. And as it was blasted out from the earth, it turned over and over and over and all of the water that was on it came along with the earth, stayed with the earth, so that the piece that was blasted out there has no water on it today. And because it has no water on it, it has no civilization on it, has no life on it. You can't have life where there's no water. Water is the source of, of life. Where there's no water, there's no life. Where there's no life, there's no civilization. Can you understand that? So this dead piece called moon by us today, turning over and over and over, losing all of its water, all of the water coming with this piece. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that this piece, that the earth that we, that we remained on, uh, shifted 36, it dropped 36,000 miles in the pocket that we, are, that, we, that we remained in. And as it dropped, and all of the water came with it, it uh, left a situation where today, he says, the earth that we now live on weighs 6, six trillion tons. The weight of it is 6, six trillion tons. And as it makes its uh, way around the, uh, uh, the sun, the strong power of the sun's rays striking the equator causes the planet to turn on its own axis at the speed of 1,937 and a third miles per hour. Now you would say that since, and he teaches us that the, the, the square mileage of the earth is 196,940,000 square miles, which means only 57,255,000 square miles of land stick up out of 139,785,000 square miles of water. Three-fourths of the earth's surface is covered with water. Part of the water that left the moon and came with the earth. So you may say, well, how come since it's the natural uh, law for water to seek its own level, why doesn't it overrun the land? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that as the 
of the earth speeds around the sun, turning on its axis 1,037 and a third miles per hour, it creates gravity, and the strong attracting power of the sun pulls on the waters of the earth, pulls them up into the sun and up into the earth atmosphere in a, in a fine mist that the naked eye can hardly detect. And as this water gathers in the earth's atmosphere, it then distills and comes back to earth. After it gets heavier than the atmosphere in which it is in, it still it distills and comes back to the earth in the form of water, hail, or rain, or snow. All of the water that you see coming out the sky went up into the sky. Everything that's coming down on the earth got uh, up there by leaving leaving the earth. Do you understand? And uh, he teaches us that it comes back down in the form of hail or rain or snow or uh, what you, whatever else you have, depending upon the temperature of the current of atmosphere that it was in. He says that at night the moon, the gravitational pull of the moon takes over. And because the power of the moon is not as great as that of the sun, uh, once the attracting uh, power of the sun is absent at night, then the moon takes over. And since it can't pull the waters up like the sun does, it still has that magnetic pull, and it causes the waves that you see out there on the ocean to, 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 to churn. This is the moon that does that. The moon makes the waves go up and down. It never lets them level out. If it leveled out, it would overrun the land. It also causes the shifting of the tide. This is the pull of the moon upon the waters of the earth. If it weren't for the attracting power of the sun and the moon upon the earth, why, the waters would overrun the land and drown out civilization. All of this was done by man himself, not from mystery God, but a black man set this up. And you, you and I have been running around here in the trap that the white man put us in, thinking that's the only one who can do anything, either there's a mystery God, and what the mystery God doesn't do, the white man does. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that all the time that this was going on, there was no white man. White man was nowhere on the scene. He says that uh, uh, when the moon was blasted away and, and, uh, and, and we came along with the earth, in fact, one tribe was, was destroyed. Prior to the time that the explosion took place, there were 13 tribes. In the explosion set off 66 trillion years ago, the 13th tribe was destroyed. And then all of the time down through the wheel of time since then, there were 12 tribes. Until 6,000 years ago. And 6,000 years ago, a, 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 a scientist named Yaqub created another tribe on this earth. Understand? Uh, prior to the time the explosion took place, there were 13 tribes. But the 13th tribe was destroyed in that explosion. And from then until now, just 60, just uh, uh, 6,000 years ago, another tribe came on the scene. It was made, different from all of the 12 tribes that were here when it arrived. A new tribe, a weak tribe, a wicked tribe, a, a devilish tribe, a diabolical tribe. A tribe that is devilish by nature. So that before they got on the scene, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, when we came with the earth, the oldest city on earth is the holy city of Mecca in Arabia. Mecca is the oldest city on earth. Mecca is the city that is forbidden. No one can go there but the black man. No one can go there but the Muslim. No one can go there but the believer. No one can go there but the righteous. And at Mecca are kept the records of history that go on back into the beginning of time. He says that 50,000 years ago, 
A metal scientist named Shabazz became angry with the other with the with the scientists of his day. He wanted to bring about a tougher people. He wanted the people to undergo a, a form of life that would make them tough and hard. And the other scientists wouldn't agree with him. So this scientist named Shabazz took his family and wandered down into the jungles of Africa. Prior to that time, no one lived in the jungle. Our people were soft. They were black, but they were soft and delicate. Fine. They had straight hair. That right here on this earth. You find some of them look like that right today. They are black as night, but their hair is like silk. And originally all our people had that kind of hair. But this scientist took, our, took his family down into the jungles of Africa. And there, living in the open, in the open, and, and living a jungle life, eating all kinds of food, it had an effect on the appearance of our people. Actually, living in the rough sun, in the rough uh, climate, our hair became stiff, like it is now. And we became, we undertook new features that we have now. The, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the only hair that the black man has today that looks now like it looked five or 50,000 years ago is on my eyebrows. Right here, you notice all Negroes got straight, don't care how nappy their hair is, they got straight eyebrows. Some of them, when you see a nappy eyebrowed Negro, <laughs> you got somebody. <laughs> but all of this took place back in history, and everything the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches is based on history. Now then, where does the white man come in? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that uh, the wise black man, who was a master of science, he never wrote his history like it's written today of the, of the past, but the wise black man in that day wrote his history in the future. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the circumference of the earth is 24,896 miles, approximately 25,000 miles. So he says the wise black man in the east writes history a year to every mile. He writes history to last for 25,000 years. Not in the past, but in the future. He says that on this earth there are wise black men who can tune in and tell what's going to happen in the future just as clear. They can see ahead just as clear as they can see in the past. And every 25,000 years he says that civilization reaches its peak or it reaches its perfection. And at this time, the wise black man can hear a pin drop anywhere on the planet Earth. And they uh, sit down and write history to last for 25,000 years. After this history has expired, they put it in a vault at the holy city of Mecca and write a new history. This has been going on and on and on and on and on. So he says in the year one of the cycle in which we now live, the king, he says in the east there are 24 wise men. They're spoken of in the, in the Bible as 24 elders. There are 24 prophets, or 24... Uh, when these uh, 23 men are called together by, the, by this one, which makes 24, and these 24, these 23, presided over by the 24th, are, the, are spoken of in the book of Revelations where John said uh, he had a vision in heaven, where there was a throne. And around the throne were 24 seats, and on the seats sat 24 elders. These 24 elders that are called angels are actually 24 wise black men who live right here on this earth. But no one knows who they are. At the end, at the end of every 25,000 years, this one calls all of them into conference. And they sit down at the holy city of Mecca. And the history for the past 25,000 years has expired. And it's time to write a new history. 
So these 24, these scientists begin to tune in on the population of the planet Earth. And he says that back in this day, there was, at that time, there were 5 billion people on this Earth, all of them black, not a white man in sight. 5 billion people, not a white man in sight. So he says that when these 24 scientists begin to tune in, they look down through the wheel of time. They can tell not only what the people on this earth are thinking, but they can tell what their children are thinking, what their unborn children's children are thinking, what their unborn children's children's children are thinking. They can look right down through the wheel of time and tell uh, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, for 25,000 years exactly what is going to take place. And they discovered that in the year 8,400 to come, they would register among the five billion uh, black people, 70% would be satisfied, and 30% would be dissatisfied. And out of that 30% would be born a wise black scientist named Yakub. And Yakub would teach among these 30% dissatisfied from whom he would come and create a new race, start a new world, and a new civilization that would rule this earth for 6,000 years to come. So they, they, they brought these findings back to the king and were put in the book. And by the way, that which is written to last for 25 years is called Holy Koran. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that this was put into the, put into the history. And then when the year 8,400 came, Yaqub was born. When Yaqub reached the age of six years old, he was playing in the sand one day with two pieces of metal, two pieces of steel. At which time he discovered what is known as the law of magnetism that unlike attracts and like repel. Two objects that are alike repel each other. Like two women repel each other. But man and woman attract each other. Un unlike attract and like repel. Yakub discovered this. So Yakub knew that all he had to do was make a man unlike any other people on this earth, and because he would be different, he would attract all other people. Then he could teach this man a science called trichnology, which is the science of tricks and lies. And that, and, that, and that this weak man would be able to use that science, science to trick and rob and rule the world. So Yaqub turned to his uncle and said, when I grow up, I'm going to make a man who rule you. And, and Yaqub's uncle said, what can you make other than that which will cause bloodshed and wickedness in the land? And Yaqub pointed to his head and said, I know that which you know not. Yaqub was born with a determined idea to make this man because it had been predicted 8,400 years prior to his birth that he would be born to do this work. So he was born with this idea in him. And when, he, when his uncle realized that this was he about whom it was prophesied, his uncle submitted. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that Yaqub went to school in the East. He studied the astronomical sciences, mathematical sciences, and the germination of man. He discovered that in the black man, there are two germs. In the black man, there's a brown man. In the black man, or the black germ, which is the strong germ, there's a weak germ, a brown germ. Yaqub was the first one to discover this. And Yaqub knew that by separating that brown one from the black one, and then grasping the brown one until it became lighter and lighter and lighter, it would eventually reach its lightest stage, which is known as white. And when it got to that stage, it would be weak. And because it was weak, it would be susceptible to wickedness. And then Yaqub could, could take that weak man that he made, and teach him how to lie and rob and cheat, and thereby become the ruler of all the rest of the world. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that Yaqub began to preach. At the age of 16, he began to preach over there uh, in Arabia, in the east. He preached among the 30% who were dissatisfied and got many of them to follow him. As they began to listen to Yaqub's teachings and believe it, 
uh, his, his teaching spread. His followers grew, and it created confusion in the land. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that so much confusion came into existence over there that they threw Yahoo's followers in jail. And as fast as they were thrown in jail, they, all they did, they, they taught more people. So the teachings spread in jail. Finally, Yaqub was put in jail under an alias. So the, and one day, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the thing began to get out of hand, and the authorities went to the king and told him that they couldn't control these people. But that, that, they, but they, but that they had the leader of the people in jail right now, and uh, the king said, let take me to him. And when the king went to the jail where Yaqub was, where Yaqub was, he greeted Yaqub. I said, I'm a lake Mr. Yaqub. I know you, Mr. Yaqub. And Yaqub said, Wa alaikum salam, I am Yaqub. And uh, the king said, look, I come to make an agreement with you. I know that you are the one that it is written or predicted would be on the scene in this day and would create a new race and there's nothing we can do to stop it. But in order for us to have peace, we want to make an agreement with you. In order to stop the confusion, and therefore, and for there to be some peace in the land, let, we want you to agree to take all who will follow you and exile yourself out, out on an island in the, in the Aegean Sea. Yaqub told them, I'll go, but you've got to give me everything that uh, I will need to bring into existence a new civilization. You've got to give me everything I'll need, that which will last me, you ought to supply me with everything I need for the next 20 years. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the, the king agreed with Yaqub to supply him, the government of that day, agreed to supply Yaqub and his followers with everything that they need for 20, uh, for 20 years. And uh, uh, he says that you get this in the Bible where it says, uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel. Jacob was Yaqub. And the angel that Jacob wrestled with wasn't God. It was the government of that day. Uh, angel only means a power, uh, somebody with power. Uh, uh, when a man has wings, or when a man has his wings clipped, you say that he lost his power, lost his position. So wings only mean a position of power and prestige. So when it says that Yahoo wrestled with the angel, angel is only used as a symbol to hide who it was Jacob was really wrestling with. Jacob was wrestling with the government of that day. And he made the government of that day give him everything he needs to last him and his followers for 20 years. Just like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is telling the government of this day that they got to give us everything we need in our own separate territory that last us for 20 to 25 years. You say, well, well, so the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that Yaqub agreed, the government agreed, Yaqub took all of his followers down to the sea, down to the sea. And he says that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that Yaqub took 59,999 of his followers down to the seaside with himself made 60,000. He piled them in boats and took them out, out to an island in the Aegean Sea called Pilon. In the Bible, it's called Patmos. When you read in the book of Revelation where John on the island of Patmos, for the word of the Lord, that was Yaqub. What was John doing on the island of Patmos? John was Yaqub. John was out there getting ready to make a new race. He says, for the word of the Lord. What was the word of the Lord? The word was that in the year 8,400, a new man would be made. A new race would be made. And when Yaqub and his followers got out there, uh, his followers realized that Yaqub was wiser than any man of his day. And they recognized him as, as a God. He was a God to them. So when you get, look get there in the Bible where it says, and God said, let us make man, what would Yaqub do? Not the supreme being. It wasn't the supreme being who made the sun that said, let us make man. When the supreme being made the sun, he said, let there be light. He showed he was supreme. He was independent. 
He needed no help, no associate. But when it came to making a man, that guy said, let us make man. He didn't seek for an independence because there were two different gods. God, the supreme being, made the light. His, his word is being. That's how he made me. But Yacoub, who was a lesser guy, he said to 59,999 of his followers, let us make man. Let us make a man in our image and in our likeness. We're going to make a white man. Yacoub, this was Yacoub talk. Make him in our image and in our likeness and give him dominion over the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and the creatures of the, of the, of the land. This is, and we call it Adam. It's only a, a name for the white man. The white man has taken mastery over the air. His airplanes rule the sky. His submarines and ships rule the sea. His armies rule the land. This was the man that was made 6,000 years ago, and, it, and the purpose for making him was so he could rule the world for 6,000 years. That's the white man. Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that First thing Yaqub did, he got his uh, ministers, doctors, nurses, and cremators together. He gave them the law because he had to set up a birth control law. He told the doctors whenever two black ones come to you to get married, uh, stick a needle in their vein, take some blood, and go back and come and tell them that their blood doesn't match so that they can't get married. So he also said when a black one and a brown one come, let them get married, or two brown ones come, let them get married. And then he told the nurse, nine months after uh, uh, they're married, when you go to deliver their child, if it's a black child, put a needle in his brain and feed it to a wild animal. Let it be destroyed. But if it's a brown child, take that child to the mother and tell her that this is going to be a great man when he grows up because he's lighter than the other. But to tell her that the child that you destroyed was an angel baby and that he went up to heaven to prepare a place for her when she died. Same old lie that they tell you today. Little baby died, they say it went to heaven. A baby died, goes to the same place a man goes when he died. Right down into the ground. Is that right or wrong? So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has taught us that Yaqub right there set up his birth control law. Within 200 years, they had killed off all the black babies on the island. Everything black on the island had been destroyed. And then Yaqub only lived to 150 years old, but he left laws and rules and regulations behind for his followers to go by. And after they had destroyed all of the black on the island of Pilar, then they began to work on the ground. They saved the yellow and destroyed the ground. Because see, in the black there's brown. In the ground there's yellow. Can you see how it goes? The darkest one always has a lighter one in it. So in the black man there's a brown man. In the brown man there's a yellow man. In the yellow man there's what? A white man. Oh yeah. Getting weaker all the time. So it took 200 years to destroy the black. And then they worked on the brown for 200 years, and in 200 years all the brown was, was destroyed, and all they had on the island of Pilaf was a yellow or mulatto-looking civilization. And then they went to work on it and began to destroy it out, so that by the time after 600 years of destruction on the island of Pilaf, they had grafted away the black, grafted away the brown, grafted away, away the yellow, and all they had left was a pale-skinned, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, thing that you call a man, but actually the Bible calls him the devil. That's the devil that the Bible is talking about. Oh, Lucifer, Satan, or the serpent. Because the lighter they got, the weaker they got. As they began to get lighter and lighter, they grew weaker and weaker. Their blood became weaker. Their bones became weaker. Their mind became weaker. Their morals became weaker. They became a wicked race. 
by nature wicked. Why by nature? The book says, uh, uh, concerning the devil, he says, he was conceived in iniquity and born in sin. What does it mean? That it took, uh, when Yaqub was, uh, when, the, when the nurse, at the outside, the nurses had to kill the little black baby. But in, after a while, it got so that the mother, through having been brainwashed, hated that black one so much, she killed it herself. Killed it herself. And, and saved the light one. And, and, and right on down, for 600 years, the, it, in order for the white one to come into existence, the doctor one was always murdered, murdered, murdered. This went right into the nature of the child that was being born. The mother wanted a light baby when the child was being conceived. Just went right into the baby. The mother hated black when the child was being conceived. This went right into the baby. So that at, at the end of 600 years, of planting the seed of iniquity right into the brain, right into the mind, right into the heart, right into the nature of these people. By the time they got the white man, they had something that by nature hated everything that was darker than what he was. Why, they had to murder off the black in order to get to the brown. They had to murder off the brown in order to get to the yellow. They had to murder off the black, brown, and yellow in order to get to the white. And right to this very day, the white man by nature wants to murder black, brown, red, and yellow. You don't have to teach him to kill a black man. He does it for sport. He does it for kick. He does it because it's nature to do it. Do you understand that? So in 600 years, now they got a devil on the scene. A blue-eyed devil. A blonde head, oh yeah. They, they was out here on the island of Ceylon. After they, and Yacoub was dead. Yaqub was their father, but he never saw them, they never saw him. When the Bible, Yaqub was their God. When the Bible says no man has seen God, that's what it means. No white man has seen their God. None of them saw Yaqub, because Yaqub only lived to be 150. That mean that no man can see God the supreme being. Why, the book of Revelation says when you, when he comes, every eye will see him. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that after these devils got dressed, now, we're not going to call them white anymore. We call them what they are. Well, white, that's their color. But devil, that's what they are. These, are, these aren't white people. See, that's not, you're not using the right language when you say the white man. You call it devil. When you call him devil, you call him by his name. Then he got another name, Satan. Another name, serpent. Another name, snake. Another name, beast. All these names are in the Bible for the white man. Another name, Pharaoh. Another name, Caesar. Another name, uh, uh, France, French, Frenchman, Englishman, American, all those are just names for the devil. So after they were out there for uh, 600, after they were, had been made and grafted, uh, and Yaqub was dead, then they uh, packed up the bag and made it back into civilization. Yaqub had left them some laws how to go by. He left them a science called technology, how to divide and conquer. Yaqub told these people in his books, all you've got to do to take over the world is lie. Go back among the black people. Take your woman and send her to the black man's woman. And let her lie about the neighbor across the street. And then send another woman to that woman to lie on this woman to that woman. And when they get through spreading those lies, and they all start fighting and killing one, one another, you tell them, let you be the mediator. This is the trick the white man used. It all comes from Yaqub. See, he's an underdog. He's a minority. And the only way uh, a minority can rule a majority is got to divide the majority. This is the trick 
what the white man was born to execute among dark mankind here on this earth. Yakub's over when you go back among them. Lie one on the other, and when they start fighting each other, ask them to let you be the mediator. And as soon as you become the mediator, then you're the boss. White man has, has done this trick everywhere, here in America, to the Indians. He sent one priest to the Indians in uh, New York, and another priest to the Indians in, in Pennsylvania. And he did, both of them would tell lies to both Indians. And the Indians who had never been at war with each other would start beating the tom-tom, the war drum. And then as they got ready to come together and fight, the priest would run in and say, let me be the mediator. The New York Indians, you move out to Minnesota. And the Pennsylvania Indians, you move out to Oklahoma. That would leave the whole state of New York and Pennsylvania for the white man. You see how he does it? He's all over the world. He does it. He's a mediator. He's an instigator and a mediator. He instigates division and dissension. And as soon as they start fighting one another, he says, okay, I'll settle it. If you want to, if you don't think so, look all over the world right now. Every place on this earth, you got a division. South Korea, North Korea. South Vietnam, North Vietnam. Right or wrong? He, he is the one that makes this decision. He don't let nobody get together. But when it comes to his kind, it's united. United States. Meaning all white people are united. United States of Europe. Or European common market. They want to get together. But when you start talking about the United States of Asia, or United States of Africa, why well, he said, oh, no, too many different languages. <laughs> Y'all don't have nothing in common. You see how he does it? He always discourages unity among others. But he encourages unity among his own kind. United we stand. That don't mean you. You are your head. Yeah, Negroes jump up and say, yeah, united we stand. They don't mean you. That means the white man. The white man is the one who stands united. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that these devils went back into uh, Arabia. When they got there, they started telling lies. They started confusion. And in six months' time, they had turned heaven into hell. Oh, yeah, I had so much fighting going on among our people, brother. It became hell. We never did fight each other. We loved each other. We're in harmony with each other. And when these devils came back into our midst, they turned our paradise into a hell. So uh, the, the, it was taken to the king, and the king looked in the book and said, Why, these are Yakub's people. These, they were made to do what they're doing. And the only way we'll have peace is to get rid of all of them, put them all to death. So the king gave the order for all of the devils to be rounded up. And by devil now I mean all those blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white things. He gave orders for them to be rounded up there in the east. And they were rounded up. They were, they were rounded up and taken down to the edge of the Arabian desert. They were stripped naked, stripped of everything except their language. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that we put a lambskin apron around their waist to hide their nakedness. We put them in chains and marched them across the hot sands of the Arabian desert. This is what the black man did to the white man, brother. This is what the God did to the devil. Actually, if you, and if you think that I'm, I'm uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, those of you who are Masons, those of you who have gone into the Masons, you go through this and don't understand. When you go in, they put a lamb's connection around your waist. They put you in what's called the, the cable's hole, right or wrong. And then they make you jump up and down on an electric mat. Make you pick off your shoes and make you put the juice in the mat and make you jump up and up. Why? What are they getting at? That's all a sign of what happened to the white man 6,000 years ago. If this don't happen, but you're supposed to be walking walk the hot sands when you jump up and down. Right or wrong? 
y'all been in some of that stuff. They, they tell you that that's crossing the hot sand. And you go up to old Negro Mason and ask him, when you cross the hot sand, were you walking or riding? He tell you, I was walking. He's a fool. Because he was riding. He, he, he was riding horseback. He was riding on a camel. It was the white man that was in chains. It was the white man that had the apron around him. It was the white man that was walking the hot sand. We walked him at high noon. We wouldn't even let him walk at night. We stopped at night. And you know how hot the sands are, the, the sun and the sand is in Arabia. We expected the white man to die when we were running him out of the east. But that fool lives, brother. <laughs> he lived. A lot of them died on the desert. And I might come back. Or uh, in, the, in the Masonic. All of this is tied up in the Masonic ritual. When a man gets initiated into those higher, into the higher uh, degrees of that order, he goes through this. They put on the chain. They put on the apron. And they darken him up. And pretend to be driving him across. And then when he gets up to the top order in those degrees, they tell him what it means. As a white man, they tell the white man what it means. A white shrine or a white mason what it means. The Negro never learns what it means. But it actually points back toward the time when the white man, who is the devil, and as they say, was cast out of the garden. When the Bible says Adam sinned and was cast out of the garden, this is what it is meant. And an angel was put at the east gate to keep him from coming back in when the white man was run out of the east by the Muslims. 6,000 years ago, into the caves of Europe, the people called Terra were put there at the streets of the Dardanelles with swords, with swords. And any old devil that they caught trying to come back across the water, knocked off went his head. The book tells you that the angel had a flaming sword. And any time any of them come back, tried to come back across, they were put to death. The, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the white man went down into the caves of Europe and lived there for 2,000 years on his all fours. Within a thousand years after he had gotten up there, he was on his all fours. Couldn't stand upright. You watch your old cracker today. Crackers don't walk up like, upright like black people do. They, they're about to, every time you look at them, they look like they're going right down on the office. But those who have had some education, they straighten up a little bit. Cause they're taught how to straighten up. But a black man can be the most dumb, illiterate thing you can find anywhere. And he still walk like a million dollars. Cause by nature he's upright. By nature he stands up. But a white man got to be stood up. You gotta put a, a white man on the square. But the black man is born on the square. Can we prove it? Yes. Notice in the East, dark people carry things on the head, don't they? Just throw it up there and walk with it. Show you they have perfect poise, perfect balance. This comes natural to them. You and I lost our poise. We, you can't even wear a hat on your head hardly today. <laughs> the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that within a uh, thousand years after the White people were up in the caves, they were on their all fours, and they were living in the outdoors where it's cold. This is cold over there, so this is outside right now. They didn't have clothes. So by being out there in the cold, the hair got longer and longer. Hair grew out all over their body. By being on their all fours, the, the end of their spine began to grow. They grew a little tail that, that come out from the end of their spine. Oh, yes, it was the white man, brother, up in the caves of Europe. He had a tail that long. You ever notice anything that walk on its all fours has a tail? That would straighten up, don't have a tail. Because when you get down, see, it just make that spine come right on out. 
And by him being on up there, just like a dog, he was crawling around up there. He was hairy as a dog. He had a tail like a dog. He had a smell like a dog. And couldn't nothing get along with him but another dog. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that all the beasts up in Europe wanted to kill the white men. Oh, yeah, they tried to kill the white men. They were after the white men. They hated the white men. So it says that what the white man would do, he'd, he'd dig a hole in the hill. That was his cave. And his, and his mother and his daughter and his wife would all be in there with the dog. The only thing that made friends with the white man was the dog. Everything else hated him. He'd sit outside the, the cave at night in a tree with rocks in his hand. And if any beast come up to try and get in the cave at his, at his family, he'd throw rocks at them. Or he'd have a club that he'd swing down and, and try and drive them away with. But the dog, the dog stayed in the cave with his family. The dog, and it was then, during that time, that the dog and the white woman amalgamated. The white woman went with the dog while they were living in the caves of Europe. And right to this very day, they, the white woman will tell you, there's nothing she loves better than a dog. They tell you that a dog is a man's best friend. A dog isn't a black man's best friend. God is a black man's best friend. That a dog is the white man's best friend. They lived in that cave with those dogs. And right now, they, they got that dog smell. They got their dog lovers. Dog can get inside a white man's house and eat at his table. Look out of his plate. They'll, they'll kiss a dog right on the nose and think nothing of it. You're not a dog kisser. You don't see no black people kissing the rubbing noses with a dog. But little white children will hug dogs and kiss dogs and, 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 and eat with dogs. Am I right or wrong? Y'all been inside the kitchen cooking their food and making their bed. You know how they live in there. The dog will live right inside the white man's house better than you can. You, if you try and break your way in there, they put a rope around your neck. But the dog has got free run of the whole house. He's a white man's best friend. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that they lived up there like that for 2,000 years. And at the end of 2,000, at the end of 2,000 years, that uh, the scientists in the East realizing that it was originally predicted that the white race would rule for 6,000 years and that they had already lost 2,000 years in the caves of Europe, they sent a prophet up there from Mecca and to, to teach the white race, this race of death, how to become civilized again and get up on their, become upright and come back and rule like they had originally been made to. The name of that prophet was Moses. And this is why you have so many of what they call the secret books of Moses. Moses never went down into Egypt. Moses went into the caves of Europe and civilized the white man. It was Moses who went into Egypt and, and uh, went into uh, Europe, into the caves, and, and what we call raised the devil from a dead level to a perpendicular and placed him on the square. Moses taught the white man how to cook his food. Moses taught the white man how to build a house for himself. He taught the white man also some of the technology that Yaku had originally meant for them. And it was Moses who put the white man back on the road toward civilization and told him that he closed the rule for 6,000 years, that much of his time had already been lost, but that at the end of time, one would come who would destroy the whole white race. Moses taught them this. Now this is why when the Jews, when uh, 2,000 years later, the Jews were looking for the Messiah, and they thought that Jesus was the Messiah. And they put him to death because they knew when the Messiah comes, that the Messiah was going to destroy that whole race of death. The Jews knew this. So they put him to death, thinking that they could stop him from destroying them. But actually they made a mistake because Jesus 2,000 years ago wasn't the Messiah. Their time wasn't up. 
uh, 2,000 years ago. The time would not be up until 2,000 years later, the day and time that we're living in right now. So, brothers and sisters, my time has expired. I just wanted to point out that the white man, a race of devils, was made 6,000 years ago. This doesn't mean that to tell you, tell you that they were made, that this in, in, implies any kind of hate. They're just a race of devils. They were made to, uh, 6,000 years ago. They were made to rule for 6,000 years. Their time expired in the year 1914. The only reason God didn't remove them then was because you and I were here in their country. And God gave them an extension of time. For, uh, not them an extension of time, but they received an extension of time to give the wise men of the East the opportunity to get into this house of bondage and awaken the lost sheep. Once the American so-called Negroes have been awakened to the knowledge of themselves and of their own God and of the white man, then they're on their own. They'll be up to you and me then whether we want to integrate into this wicked race or leave them and separate and go to Wyoming. And if we integrate, we'll be destroyed along with them. If we separate, then we have a chance for salvation. So on that note, in the name of Allah, messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I bring my talk to a close. Salaam alaykum.